So I'd like to uh, start by sharing the following story about a, about a high school girl named Maria. Maria is one of six children living in Juarez, Mexico. Or should I say one of five children, as her eldest brother was shot by angry cartel members. See, forgiveness is not part of the MO of the cartels. Blood, torture, and murder is, as we all know. Now, Maria's dad, Ernesto, works hard at a factory in Juarez. His pay is $291 a month, the average. Maria and her family live about three miles from the U.S. border in very substandard housing. See, while there are a few windows in the house, other than the summer months, they are covered by cardboard in an attempt to keep some heat in. The floors are dirt, there are not working toilets, and like many in her neighborhood, Maria's family burns tires to keep warm during the bitter, cold, frigid, desert winter nights. They have no electricity, and food is not abundant. Maria's mother shares stories about the times when things were much better in Juarez. Corruption was always part of life, but not the murderous cartels. And also in the past, Juarez was full of Americans and others shopping and eating and gladly giving handouts to children that were hungry. But in those days, there were also many more jobs, and most people in El Paso did not mind people from Juarez crossing the border each day to work as maids, gardeners, and at other forms of labor. Even though they did not have papers, people in El Paso did not mind. You see, back then, the border was open and fluid, but that was then and this is now. Well, Maria's family last year heard about a school in the Segundo Barrio of South El Paso called the Lydia Patterson Institute. It was here that I, along with 17 people from the chapel, spent part of the week before last getting to know the students and the teachers while staying in a very simple, rundown house in this, next to the school in the Segundo Barrio. The Lydia Patterson Institute was started by a Methodist woman at the turn of the last century. She believed in teaching children from Mexico English, and eventually the school began to form what became the ESL program all over the United States. Now between 350 and 500 children attend the school, most of whom are from Juarez. The school has a great reputation, so student visas are available to just about any child that wants to attend by day and go back to Juarez by night. The school has nutritious meals along with committed, loving, and dedicated teachers. And the main thing preventing more and more children from attending is the $500 a month tuition. They do have scholarships, and many kids who go to the school get one, but there's only so much to go around. And up to 98% of the high school kids graduate from Lydia Patterson, and 98% go on to college in the United States and Mexico, going on to achieve incredible things like becoming the governor of the state of Chihuahua or running a huge advertising company in Los Angeles. Now, Maria and her family know they are blessed and very fortunate that Maria gets to attend the school the school provides the uniform she wears and everything she needs to succeed. Maria gets up at 5 in the morning at the latest. She gets dressed and then walks the few miles from the house I described to the International Bridge near the school. And while each day is different now because of the laws, her weight on the bridge to cross legally each morning to go to school is between 1 and 2 hours and sometimes up to 4. In all four Gospels in the New Testament, Jesus uses two very interesting phrases. 
Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, most people believe these phrases, as I do, mean the same thing. And very simply stated, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God both refer to a reality, a reality that reflects how God wants things to be on earth, a reality that someday, someday will come to complete fruition. And if you look at Jesus' words and teachings throughout his time in Israel, he gave us glimpses of what the kingdom of God looks like. God's kingdom is where there are no poor. Those who mourn are comforted. Humility is the norm. Hearts are pure. Commitments are kept. Forgiveness prevails. Violence and prejudice are absent. And love is at the core of everything. God's kingdom is where there is no sickness and disease and children are embraced. Think of everything that you can think of that is right in the world today. That reflects something of what God's kingdom looks like. Think conversely of everything that is wrong. That sheds light on the gap between where we are now and where God wants things to be. In excerpts in slightly adapted form, the late Dallas Willard writes the following. To gain a deeper understanding of God's kingdom, we need to be sure of what God's kingdom is. And we need to be sure of what a kingdom is. Well, every person has a kingdom, a realm that is uniquely his or her own, where his or her choice determines what happens. God created us to have a say in what our kingdom is by giving us free will. God equipped us for what happens in the kingdom by creating us to function in a conscience, conscious, personal relationship of interactive responsibility with God. We are meant to exercise our freedom, our rule, only in union with God as God acts with us. God intended to be our constant companion, our co-worker in the creative enterprise of life on earth. Lamentably, we fell away from our intended divine task for which we were created. We mistrusted and distanced ourselves from God and from one another, and in our arrogance and fear, we flounder through existence on our own. The lack of human unity and love under God not only leaves us at the mercy of human-made disasters such as wars, famines, and oppression, but also prevents us from dealing successfully with many so-called natural evils such as disease, scarcity, and disasters. Said another way, and saying this in all another way, we were made by God to be in a continual loving relationship with God in absolutely every aspect of our lives and our being. We were made by God for the purpose, for the express purpose of working with God to bring about God's kingdom on earth in tandem with God. But tragically and sometimes unspeakably, humankind since the beginning has intentionally stepped out of God's purpose and what you see around us in this world right now is the result. The world right now does not reflect how God wants things ultimately to be. Now, when Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God, he said some very interesting things worth paying attention to. Specifically, one day he said, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Another version of the Bible says it this way, God's care for humanity was so great that he sent his unique son among us so that those who count on him might not lead a futile and failing existence but have the undying of life have the undying life of God himself. Back to a few words from Dallas Willard on this point again in adapted form. You and I have received an invitation. We, invited, we are invited by God to make a pilgrimage into the heart and life of God. A door of welcome is open to everyone without exception. No person, no circumstance can keep us away from the heart of God. God's desire for us is that we should live in Him. And He sent among us the way to Himself. That way is Jesus. God calls us to reconsider day in and day out, day in and day out, how we have been approaching our lives in light of the fact that we now in the presence of Jesus have the option of living in tandem with God's purpose in every area of our life. To say all of this another way, God's kingdom is the way that it should be. We have been given glimpses of what God's kingdom looks like through Jesus. A kingdom in which everything is as it should be, wonderful and beautiful and the essence of love itself. And God created us to be a partner in bringing about God's kingdom on earth. And history shows that this has not happened. Although everyday glimpses of God's kingdom continue to show up through people acting in loving unison with God all the time. God's kingdom is at hand, meaning we are invited into a way of living right now through Jesus that changes everything. And we can work by God, with God day by day to bring about a reality that reflects God's desire and will. And the path for us to do this is Jesus himself. Now as a side note, it's important to point out that wherever we are in our journey with Jesus, I have never met a human being that has it down pat in following Jesus. Nor have I met a human being that is living a life that completely reflects Jesus. Dallas Willard puts it this way, sometimes the places where God's will is not carried out, this is very convicting, sometimes the very place where God's will is not carried out and his will is not yet done lies within the lives of those who belong to Christ. And I say this not to make us feel guilty or inadequate, but rather to remind each of us in our culture right now of the ongoing importance of a deep, Profound humility is a fundamental approach to life and how vital it is that you and I continually and intentionally turn back day to day to Jesus and his heart and his teachings and what he would have us do. But just to restate the main point, we're invited into a way of living right now that through Jesus would change everything in order to bring about a reality that reflects God's desire and will. Our reading today is from the magnificent letter to the Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it, probably at the end of the first century. And while our reading gets into a lot of things, including the meaning of the cross and Christ's death upon the cross, there's one word within the reading that I want to focus upon, and that is the word mediator. It is said in Hebrews that Jesus mediates our relationship with God. And another way to think about a mediator is the idea of a go-between. And here in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, we learn that Jesus 
is the go-between between us and God. Jesus is the go-between between our failings and God's forgiveness. Our go-between between our death and eternal life. Our go-between between living our way and living a life that Jesus, that represents that Jesus has invaded our lives. And when I think about the phrase, a go-between, an image of a bridge comes to mind. A bridge very much kind of like the one out here. A bridge that goes from one place to another. A bridge that crosses a gap. And so with this image in mind, we can think of Jesus as the bridge between our failings and God's forgiveness. Jesus is the bridge between our death and eternal life. Jesus is the bridge between living our way or living a life totally devoted to Christ. And as I thought about a bridge, I thought that I'd like to invite us all to keep an image of a bridge in mind as we think about the kingdom of God. You see, I think that Jesus is the bridge, the path, the way for us to live in this very messed up world. Jesus is the bridge that takes us from focusing on our own selfish kingdoms to the place in which we work with God to bring about His kingdom. Jesus is the bridge that helps us be equipped to do what God would have us do. Jesus is the bridge into the heart of God. And if we want to work with God to bring about God's kingdom, that it's a matter of following the way, following Jesus into His ways of being. If we want to work with God to bring about God's kingdom, then it's a matter of knowing that we cannot do it on our own and that we need the power of Christ within us. If we want to work with God to bring about God's kingdom, then it's a matter of accepting God's invitation to become more and more every day like Jesus. And if we want to become more and more like Jesus, then we need to accept His invitation to cross the bridge. To cross the bridge from being a person that is filled with fear to trust. To cross the bridge from being a person that is filled with despair to hope. To cross the bridge that moves us from being a person that is filled with guilt to forgiveness, selfishness to love, tearing down other people and building others up instead, instigating fear versus creating confidence, moving from blame to deep humility, from scapegoating to understanding, from finger-pointing to empathy, from anger to peace, from division to unity, from a life with lots of confusion and anger and torment to a life filled with joyful, passion-filled purpose. That's the bridge that Jesus wants us to cross. And I believe our walk with Jesus is not just about how we are and part of our lives are going to church on Sunday and saying the right things. Our life with Jesus hopefully is about our entire being. About how we show up in the world no matter who we are or what we do. I believe to my bone marrow core that regardless of what we do in life, whether we hold a political office at any level, whether a Republican or a Democrat or other, whether a small business owner, a teacher, a nurse, a corporate CEO, a minister, a union member, a student, if we want to really be partners with God and bring about God's kingdom, then we're called to act like it no matter who we are or what we do. Over and over and over. Jesus tried to get to those that were most religious. Over and over and over, Jesus spoke to people that were in positions of religious power. Over and over and over, Jesus spoke to people in the government. 
over and over and over, Jesus spoke to those who had the most power. And what did he say? He said to them, for God's sakes, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Is your heart like God's? Is it really reflecting the heart of Jesus in everything that you do, in how you act, in what you say, in what you behave, in how you behave? Does your heart really reflect the heart of Jesus? Jesus said it's all a matter of the heart because our actions and our words reflect our hearts. So where are our hearts today? Where's my heart today? It's in a messed up place because I've been paying attention to too much out there instead of the heart of Jesus. What are our hearts reflecting? Where are we in allowing God to shape our hearts to become more and more like His in order to bring about His kingdom? Where are our hearts today? Now I need to be clear because I'm sure I'll get blamed by both Democrats and Republicans for being political, but I'm not in this sermon in one way, shape, or form. I'm talking about Jesus. And frankly, that's all I care about. But aside from that, Christian scholars have thought for centuries, and I believe too, there are just wars. There are just laws. There are just forms of incarceration. There are just immigration laws. There is just border security. There may even be just walls. But wherever we stand, let us remember something of vital and critical importance as followers of Jesus Christ. Walls should never, ever be built with smiles or arrogance, but only with tears streaming down our face. War should be started never with a sense of glee or this is great, but always with tears streaming down our face. Standards of justice need to be upheld but not with angry vindictiveness, but always with tears streaming down our face. You see, as followers of Jesus, I know, and I'm practical enough to know that I believe we sometimes need to take actions, but sometimes we need to take actions that do not reflect God's kingdom or the ultimate vision for how things should be. And I also believe that when we take such actions, even when necessary, we need to acknowledge on our knees with humility and tears that such actions reflect ultimately how far we are from the kingdom of God. This is a very sad time in the world. We are so far from the kingdom of God. Is it the goal for God's kingdom to be made up of diverse people that hate each other, kill each other, build walls between each other, discriminate against each other, steal and kill each other, run around in armed gangs and thugs harming each other, degrading each other, hurting each other, disparaging each other, castigating people who are poor, castigating people who are rich, castigating Democrats, castigating Republicans, polluting the earth, slamming people because of party affiliation, condemning people of other faith traditions. Is this really what God envisions for the kingdom of God to be like? Shame on humankind. Of course not. And so regardless of who we are and despite necessary steps we must sometimes take to protect ourselves and others, let us be clear that such steps when taken reflect that something is very, very wrong. And so what do we do? 
we get quiet. We get quiet. We start listening. We stop talking so damn much. We begin to pray like never before. God, this is not the way you want your kingdom to be. Help me be a kingdom builder. We pray for those that we can't stand. We pray for those who have political views that are 180 degrees from ours. We pray for our country. We pray for humility. We pray to know that this is God's earth. We pray, 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 pray. And in the midst of that, as people of faith, I believe we need to acknowledge the truth of where we are, that it is really messed up. How desperately we need a Savior. How desperately we need each of us for Jesus to really take over our lives. How desperately we need to take on the choice and a willingness each and every day to turn our lives over to Jesus. Today, Jesus, make my life about you. Give me your heart. Give me your broken heart. Give me your passion. Give me your love. Give me your words. Take me where you want me to go. And we need to pray that God will take over those parts of our lives that we've been keeping, keeping separate from God. Our walk with Jesus is not a compartment. It's the whole thing. I believe we need to think about how we're going to follow Jesus across the bridge of how we are right now to the place where our hearts become more and more like His. Last thing I want to say. The lyrics this morning we heard in the song a few minutes ago. Here's to remind us there are a few. They're, they fit perfectly. Of all the gifts we have received, one is the most precious and most terrible. The will in each of us to be free. That's a gift. It's most precious and it's most terrible. It is in our hands. And if someday we hear a voice he will tell us the choices in our hands. Our hands can drop the knife. Our hearts can choose to stop the hating. For every moment in our life is the beginning. And I would add that within every moment in every day in our lives is the invitation from Jesus to surrender our own kingdoms and to learn to finally learn how to build his. And let us pray.